Good morning. I'm Tim Rogers, lead pastor here at Grace Point Church, and I join my voice in welcoming you to GPC. Thanks for making it this morning. Um, thank you to our worship team and Pastor Joel for, uh, for getting us going here. Um, a couple things before I begin. Um, the last two weeks I've not been up here. I want to offer a special thanks to, to Pastor Dell and, um, and also Pastor Joel last week for, for bringing the message. I was able to listen, Dell, to your message. Uh, and if you haven't been able to do that, you can check it out online um, on iTunes. You can hear what he had to say a couple weeks ago. I'm really grateful, uh, Dell, for you and for doing that, and Lois for letting him do it. Thank you for that. Um, and Joel, thank you for last week as well, wherever you, you got to here. Um, this week was a good week for me, had a chance to work with the VBS crew, and I just was reminded again, to be honest, how many people it takes to pull off something like this and how grateful I am for so many people who do what they do here at GPC. I'm grateful for our young adult group. Uh, if you didn't know, they were responsible for our VBS for junior high this week, and so they did a great job uh, leading that. And our junior high, it was fun to hang out with you guys, um, played some full contact Foursquare, um, put ice down people's shirts and all kinds of good junior high kind of stuff we did. And so that was good fun for us. So thanks for having us uh, with you all and parents for bringing your, your kids this week. We had a good time. Um, I want to bring you up to speed real quick on Together 2013. You know, some of the things that are going on there. This past Friday night was our last Friday night um, in the park that we, we have because July Friday nights are over. Um, again, uh, we put out, I guess, 250 plates, and those were gone, and more were added, and we didn't count anymore because it just kept, plates kept coming. So over 250 people again. I'm grateful for that. Beautiful night. Beautiful night for that. And um, thank you to our, our uh, crew who put that on. Um, just a great job uh, all around with that, um, especially planning the weather for this past Friday. Great job on that. Um, but it was a great event. Um, you should also know summer school is still going on uh, this week. We have, I believe it's Bellevue Church, if I'm not mistaken, is kind of is spearheading the volunteers for summer school this week. Um, so we're glad to have them in, in uh, working along with the factory who's running point on that. Um, we are still involved in providing meals for this week. I don't know if you knew that or not, but the summer school program wouldn't have meals if Together 2013 in your role wasn't a part of, of providing the, the hot meals for them this, this uh, entire summer session. So that's still going on. And then uh, finally, kind of keep your eye out for the, partner, the, uh, the opportunity coming up to, uh, to help with the furniture bank at the factory ministries. I know they're going to be working on a time and a place to, to renovate a part of the old elementary school for a furniture bank. So it should be a pretty basic project. Famous last words, right? Um, but some aesthetics going on there and making that happen. So that is, that is some of the stuff that's still going on for T13. Together 2013, I failed to introduce it this morning, but in case you're new here, and Together 2013 is a shared initiative in our community where at this point five organizations have partnered together to work for the common good in our area. Grace Point Church, Keystone, Peckley Valley School District, the Factory Ministries, and Paradise Township working together for the common good in our area. And we're doing a variety of projects. And so those are some of them that are going on. Okay. There you go. All right. Um, every now and then, in addition to adding or in addition to telling you about Together 2013, I will also lead into a time which we now are calling a story of grace moment. Um, stories of grace, you should know if you're new to GPC, are times when we get to hear from people who, who sit among us, who walk among us, who sometimes are new, sometimes they're not so new, and they get a chance to share their story about what God is teaching them, how they're serving, what they're growing in, um, things of that nature. So this morning is going to be another one of those opportunities, and I'm going to allow um, the couple who's going to share this morning to, to give a little bit more of their background, but I don't believe you'll be disappointed by their story at all. In fact, I think their story will be very... Um, very powerful for you as they share how God has been at work in their family. Um, they're a relatively new couple to some of you. In fact, probably to many of you, you may not know the name Dan and Betsy Rudy yet, but I think after today you will. So Dan and Betsy, why don't you guys come on up here? Um, they're already plugged into a, a small group at Grace Point. We're, we're glad for that. I think their group is glad for that. I'm not sure. No, this depends on the day. <laughs> I think I know him well enough to say that. Yeah, we got Jim kind of testing back there. That, that's a good thing. I'm going to give this to you guys for right now. We need to take care of business first, though, with Dan and Betsy, because they've come, come to us several weeks ago now and said, hey, we've been, we've been attending GPC, and we'd like to figure out what it means to become members at Grace Point. So let's take care of that. And then we'll do the story of grace. You don't have to be a member to do a story of grace. I'm just saying it. They don't, but this, we're just going to do both at the same time. So a couple of questions for you. Number one, do you understand and can support the mission, values, and beliefs? 
of yes. Grace Point Church? Yes, we do. Okay. And do you understand the, what we're looking for in members? Do you understand what we ask of our members? Yes. Yes. Okay. Now, a little more than yes or no, but <laughs> why do you want to become members? Uh, we had uh, had a daughter that was wayward. Her name's Heather. <laughs> the church we had gone to, she was struggling with some of the things that were going on in the youth group. And, and, and she said, hey, she started going to youth group here. And she had done that for maybe a year. And then she learned to drive and says, Dad, I'm going to church there. Boy, what's going on now? <laughs> and we were stubborn, or at least I was. Drug my feet. Didn't really want to look at another church. But uh, we started coming here. We're very happy with what we saw. Some of the things that were good, we... It's hard to leave here on a Sunday morning and not have something to think about through the day with your leadership's messages. And that's if I'm doing my part and I'm not zoning somewhere else. But So that was always good. And you always took it, or most times you take it and put it into our lives. How do we, how do we live this out? It's not just a truth we learn, but how do we live this out in our lives? And that's something I've always appreciated about your, your messages. And after I was here a while, it was real clear that this is where we're supposed to be. And... Probably should have been here a little sooner than now, but, you know, you can't always listen to your daughter right away. <laughs> so that's how we got here. That's why we believe we should be here. Do you want anything to that? I would just say I've, I've also personally found the worship very, very meaningful and um, ministers a lot to me. Um, the whole idea of the Together 2013, too, is, is the kind of church I want to be part of, a church that not only teaches it on a Sunday morning, but gets out there and reaches out to the community as well. Excellent. Well, guys, let me do this now, officially. Welcome to Grace Point Church, the official right hand of fellowship. I think we're glad to have you. Now that you're here, no, no, you're you're just starting. We're just warming up. Um, There's a story here to tell, and we want to draw this out in the best way we can, but uh, a couple questions for you guys as we get to know you a little bit. Um, Dan, or maybe Betsy ever wants to start, but... um, Bring us up to speed on the story. Give us the facts of what are we talking about here? What has happened in your life in the last bit here um, that has you know, gotten you to the point where you're at now? Give us, give, bring us up to speed on your story here. Last, last April, I was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And when we found it, it spread to my liver already. It was good and bad as far as when we found it. I was actually on a business trip, had a blood clot in my leg, ended up with a blood clot in my lung. And of course, we were just pushing it off. It was a five-hour trip out west. But after doing some other looking, for no real reason, looking at the cancer, for cancer, they found cancer there. So when the doctor looks at you and says, well, your life is now measured in months, not years, that makes you go, hmm, and a lot more. Um, My girls are older, but they needed that for a while yet. And it was hard to just think about leaving this world so soon. Um, one of the big things I learned through that is we think we all have our lives planned and we know what's ahead and we make these plans for 10, 20 years from now and you save for retirement. We don't know we're going to get that. None of us do. We could all have something happen to us on the way home from church today. You just don't know. So through that and... Um, just a bunch of things. Just really learn to know that this, this is you know, something that I should have been looking at before. My lovely wife asked me, I had dislocated, not dislocated shoulder, I had a rotator cuff that was broken. And I had to have surgery. She says, you know, this would be a good time for you to spend a little more time in the Word and get closer to God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I didn't get it. I didn't, he didn't draw my attention there. No, we went on until we got to this point. And I'm in no way saying God brought this on me. But he certainly allowed me to have it, and through it, we've had family get closer. Uh, through that process, I've had a, a father that I haven't really contact with for years. I asked him for forgiveness and wanted to try reconnecting with him, and that didn't work like we had planned. But there was just a bunch of things in my life I had to look at and just ask questions, am I really living for the Lord the way I should be? When you read the Bible, it's all about giving glory to God. Each day, we're supposed to give glory to God. And Dan had his, his plans for the day in business, and I wasn't worried about giving glory to God. Uh, it's so easy not to do that when you get caught up in business and, and, 
and you think you have your day planned, well, sometimes you just get awakened. Anything else you'd like to add? I would just say over the last year, he's been in chemotherapy. He had done um, about five months of one type of chemo. We had good results with that, and they had given him a chemo holiday over the Christmas holidays. February, we re-looked at things, and he was on another uh, type of chemo until May when you guys prayed for us. He ended up in the hospital with some um, muscle pain and, and breakdown. And so we've been on another chemo holiday. Um, this week we just were with the specialists in uh, Baltimore again, and we'll be seeing our local oncologist this coming week, planning to restart chemo, hopefully the same kind as before, but maybe with a little additional medicine to try and prevent the kind of complications that he'd had from that. Yeah, and I mean, there was a point where I asked him, like you always ask doctors, you want to get time frame. Well, they never want to give you that. And, and they can't, you know, but the way I am, I wanted to ask. He says, well, Dan, he says, I didn't think you'd still be here, and I was eight months into this. So being 15 months into it, I'm blessed. I don't always know I'm blessed, and some days it's harder to feel blessed than others, but I am. And then I had the goal to reach the point where I'm going to see Heather graduate from high school and my daughter Beth graduate from college, so I need another year. So docs don't have a lot of hope for that, but we don't know. God's in control, not the doctor's. Well, let's, let's go to that moment or those moments when you first hear this diagnosis. I mean, you go to the doctor and then they start talking a little more seriously. And it's kind of your first kind of raw reaction to this. You, when you first get that news, take us to that point in your lives. Well, it was actually a phone call. He had um, the blood thinner he was put on for his blood clots. We were having difficulty getting that controlled and he'd had some bleeding. And that's how he ended up with a CAT scan. That went to the family doctor, and not even the one we have ever seen before. We get this phone call in the evening telling us that there's, he had bad, bad news for us. Well, this wasn't my first bad news. My mother just in December had been diagnosed with a rapidly growing brain tumor. Um, I was just getting back to work from having neck surgery, and then we had the blood clots and now this. So it was, I think our initial reaction was sort of disbelief, and then the more it sank in that this was really true, um, there, was, there was despair and, and really had a hard time finding hope. And uh, I suggested to Dan that I thought we needed to have a prayer gathering. So we contacted some of our close friends, family, church members, and in an evening went into the church and just had a focused time of prayer. And uh, I think that was the beginning of the, the turnaround in our in our perspective on it, that we knew that even though medicine had nothing to offer us, that wasn't where our hope lies, and our hope lies in, in the Lord, and he's, he's got plans. We don't know. He doesn't share them for us, to us more than one step at a time, but um, we know he's got plans for our life. Well, this leads me to the next question, and that is, your reaction would be, I think, what all of us would probably experience right away when we're, we get the call or, or hear the news just overwhelming Mm -hmm. so but yet there's choices right we have choices to make of how we're going to respond to this thing so why are you choosing this path because anyone who knows you now knows that um you know whether you send out your emails that continue to kind of move more toward in the middle of my pain we're going to praise i mean that's the general theme of of how you communicate and what you guys are communicating to people in the middle of this you're choosing to recognize God's sovereignty, you're choosing not to abandon faith, you're choosing to see that God still has a plan, so why are you choosing that path of response? I think it's just amazing the way God put people in your life. When you're sitting in your room getting chemo and there's 20 soft chairs around and 20 hard chairs, I was going to. The soft chairs is where the sick people get to sit, so you're comfy. The people that come to support you, there's a hard chair, sit on and deal with it. (laughs) And one day a lady said, boy, I wish I had a soft chair. I suggested I would trade that for her in a moment's notice. And then suddenly she realized she didn't want to have that soft chair. (laughs) No, it wasn't you. (laughs) Just someone sitting next to you. But you see people in that room that you can see they have faith and you can see they have hope and others are just, they're lost. They they have no no hope, nothing. They're just desperation. And uh, we feel that too. I mean, it's not like it's, it's, we're impervious to it, but you can just, we just know God's our only hope. I mean, okay, here. Now, I think the other thing Dan mentioned earlier, 
Last year, our youth were challenged to read through the Bible in 90 days. And although we'd read the Bible pieces before, we'd never done that. And I think the Lord ordained that as well, because what became very, very clear to us is that we all have our ideas of what the Lord should have us to do. But if you look at the recurring theme from Genesis to Revelation, we are here solely for the purpose of bringing God glory. And so that became our mission, that wherever this journey leads and wherever it ends, we want God to have the glory. And I can attest to that on a sidebar, which when I asked Dan and Betsy if they'd be willing to do this, um, Betsy's response was, personally, no, but we've made a commitment that we want everything about this to be for God's glory. And so if this can bring God glory, we're going we're gonna to sign up and do this thing. There have to be obstacles that come in the way of this thing. I mean, you make the choice to say, I'm going to bring God glory in the middle of pain and, and knowing your life trajectory now. Um, we make choices to say, this is how I want to go, but then stuff happens. Things get in the way. Obstacles come. Doubt comes. Stuff comes. So what are those obstacles that you have to keep getting over to, to stay on this path? What are some of those things that kind of get in your way of that? Oh, your mind is a powerful and wonderful and dangerous thing all at the same time. Um, I've dealt with irritable bowel for years and stomach problems. And immediately when you have cancer, something doesn't feel right in your body, you say, must be the cancer working. Or what does this really mean? I mean, your mind is such a powerful tool and, and the devil really knows how to use it. And it's, it's sometimes really hard struggling between what the world says and having faith in God and what he's going to do. And I don't mean that he's going to heal me necessarily. I believe he can at any time if he chose to. But it's just that constant battle back and forth in between letting your mind get away with you. And mine's pretty good at it. Uh, everything you want to add? No, I, I think, too, just we, we have faith and we know that the Lord can heal. And yet medicine tells us you shouldn't even be here now. And to just know to how to plan even the next days and weeks and months. Do we plan on not being here? Do we plan on being here? And, and just, you know, each day, especially, I mean, in, in May, we found out that it's now moved into his bone. So it, it's just knowing what the facts are and yet being able to still put our hope in the Lord and, and focus on whatever he's going to do to bring himself glory. So as you guys face this now, what would you say... You want to you wanna leave as the lesson learned about yourself or about your God in this time? I don't know. As soon as I found this out, and it was pretty overwhelming, the thing that kept going through my mind is I want to finish well. Finish well how? Make sure my house is in order. Uh, make sure I'm following what the God wants. It is so much easier to talk to other people when you have a sickness like this. You can talk to people that you would never talk to before because what you got to lose is what I'm supposed to do. Uh, there's not that, you know, that fear of, well, I'm going to have to be with this person. What are they going to think? I mean, it doesn't matter what they think about me anymore. Um, it just gives you so much more freedom. So I don't know. I, I would echo what he says and just that right now, I just feel like we're in a glass bubble and people are watching. People want to know, why are you behaving the way you're behaving? And so sharing our faith, I think, is even more, it's easier to do right now because they're asking those questions. And they're not going to shut you down necessarily when they find out what, what the reason is that, that the Lord is giving us strength. But the other thing is that God is faithful. I, I can't count the amount of ways that he has... It just in what might seem like small things. There was, he needed to see a cardiologist. Chemo was scheduled the next day. We couldn't do chemo until he saw the cardiologist. Well, if any of you know about scheduling with a cardiologist, it, it takes a long time. We got an appointment the very same day. And not only that, when we saw the cardiologist, he wanted to do an echocardiogram. They had a cancellation 10 minutes after we exited our appointment that we could do the echo that day. You know, we went to the mountains, and he wasn't feeling well. And I said, you know, Lord, we can't really get out and see your creation too well. Could you just bring some close by? A, a doe and two fawn spent the rest of the day off and on outside of our window. I mean, he's just, he, he's faithful. You know, he hasn't, our, our desire would be miraculous 100% healing, and that hasn't come. 
But we've gotten 15 months where we were supposed to not get that much, and he's still working full time. And, you know, I don't know what the Lord has. So I guess the take home points would be God is faithful, but look for him. He's there, he's doing things, and if you aren't looking for him, you don't always see it. That's good. That's well said. Here's what I'd like to do, Dan and Betsy. Um, I'd like to pray for you, but I'd like to invite um, anyone up to pray around with you now um, who would like, and we're actually going to make this mic live this morning um, for those who would like to offer a prayer for Dan and Betsy. I'll close that time. So if you're family or friends and you'd like to come up now, um, just kind of circle around Dan and Betsy, and um, we'll, we'll give someone the mic who would like to, to pray with them or for them. And, uh, and we'll have a few lay their hands on Dan and Betsy here, and then I'll, I'll wrap up our time in prayer. But Dan and Betsy, thanks for your courage in sharing this morning. Um, we really appreciate you. Father, God, we thank you for being faithful and for showing yourself so real to not only Dan and Betsy, but to the rest of us. Um, Lord, we honor you in their testimony, and we thank you for being so real. Father, we can ask that you will continue to give Dan and Betsy courage and strength to face each day. Be with Heather and Bethany as they walk with mom and dad. Encourage them. Lord, we are so thankful for not only the good, but also the bad, as it draws us closer. And we are so grateful that you give us opportunity not only to walk quietly with you, but also be surrounded by those who love us and care for us. Um, We trust in your time, Lord, and we trust in your ways. We um, ask for guidance, for patience, for courage to face it. And Lord, again, we just honor you and how you've shown yourself so real um, in Dan and Betsy's life and through their life. God, your greatness is is definitely revealed in, uh, in your people. And we thank you for just the opportunity of, of having Dan and Betsy and the, the girls be a part of our family here, uh, part of our small group. Lord, there's so many challenges, but we know that, um, that you are glorified in, in what has happened in their life and the challenge that they leave to, to us as we live our, our life that we can also glorify you in in everything we do and that's uh that's a beautiful thing so thank you for for giving them strength and continue to do that and lord we just pray for your presence to be a part of their their everyday um walk as they they look at the near future especially and and long term we know that you uh have a plan for them and a plan for each of us and so we thank you for that Thank you for the opportunity to get to know Dan and Betsy through our small group. Um, Thank you for Dan's charisma and his zest for life, especially the last few months that he may be with us. We just look at this uh, example as to how we should live our lives each day. And it's more clear to them than it may be to the rest of us, but... We ask that we will be able to live with the same desire. Father, we thank you for this special moment this morning with Dan and Betsy and Heather here. You know that Bethany couldn't be here, but would have preferred to. Father, we're so grateful for the chance to walk with people who help us see your glory and your strength in the midst of great and real pain. We just pray that you would strengthen and empower and encourage Dan and Betsy as they continue on this journey. May we serve in whatever way possible as a strong support for them, as men and women and young men and young women who walk along with them and help support and encourage, carry the load in whatever way we possibly can. Father, we thank you for their courage. We thank you for your great grace that's shown in their lives. We love you, Father. We thank you for this time. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Dan and Betsy, and everyone else. All right. Wow. Um, Thank you, guys. This is one of those mornings where um, we could just be done right now. And um, we will have seen in 
flesh and blood what it looks like to live a life that is honoring to God and that pursues that, even though it's very difficult. Um, we won't forget this time. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Betsy and Heather. Thank you, too. I remember um, many years ago now when I was about eight years old and I went for a walk with my dad in Barbados, which is really unusual to do. We came across a well that was about 20 feet deep, at least it seemed that way when, as, as I was a kid, and inside the bottom of the well were two puppies, and they were stuck there. And I heard them yelping from a distance, and I came over to the top of that well and looked over, and I saw them, and I, and I felt this empathy in my heart, and I said to my dad, we've got to do something to help these puppies that are stuck there, you know, that, that I can't reach and you can't reach, we've just got to do something. And so sure enough, we get home, and we call the RSPCA there, and... Um, and I didn't know what happened, but I remember this. I remember that night going into my room, and my room in Barbados, if you walk into that room with me, you'd walk into a, a room that had the windows wide open with no screens, wrought iron on the outside with um, three, the, the windows would open this way instead of up and down like we have them. They, they open out full plated glass, um, and I got into my... my um, race car sheets, I pulled them off my, my bed. In my, my bedroom, I had a sink in the bedroom, which is kind of interesting. I don't know why they did that, but every bedroom had a sink. I could brush my teeth in there. So I went in, I, I brushed my teeth in my bedroom and went over and pulled back the race car sheets and climbed in bed. And uh, my parents came in and, and uh, put me to bed and turned the lights off. And then they left. And I just remember... Um, I remember what happened a few minutes later, but I don't remember what I did. But evidently, I started crying enough and loud enough that my parents came back in and they wanted to know what was wrong. And I was so worked up over these little puppies that I had seen. And I remember to this day that feeling of wanting to help something or someone that was helpless, you know, seeing those little dogs. And I remember the, the feeling of being, man, God, dad, what's going to happen? Is the RSPCA going to come? And, what's gonna, and that was my world at the time. And, and as we think about not only the Dan and Betsy Rudy story that we just heard, but also where um, this passage this morning takes us that we're going to spend a few minutes of studying, that there are times for all of us when we feel like those puppies, not necessarily the ones who help, but those little puppies stuck in a well, stuck in a place that we wish we could get out of, that we wish if only I had control, I wouldn't choose to be here. Whether that is a sickness, like Dan is talking about, or we've heard from Pastor Dell two weeks prior, the, the Satter family is going through the same journey that the Rudy family is going on. And whether it's looking at your situation and saying, man, I'm in this well and I really, I just can't get out. If I could heal myself, I would, but I can't. I'm, I'm here. I'm kind of stuck here. And God, if it's your choice to throw something down and pull me out, that's your choice. But I'm also going to rest in your sovereignty. Sometimes we find ourselves in that well of sickness, which I just didn't have what I have. Sometimes that well is not sickness. Sometimes that well is a well of really kind of deep insecurity and pain where we feel like, boy, I, I just will never be the person that my mom or dad or whoever wants me to be, or I'm never going to be what my spouse needs me to be, and it's better that I'm not even here and a real low, low self-esteem and some real problems with that. Sometimes it's the well of sin where we have an addiction problem and we just can't ever stop looking at the porn. We can never stop going to the bottle. We can never stop with the inclination towards smoking or whatever else is kind of, kind of an unhealthy habit in our life. And we just, whenever we go there again, we feel like, man, I've been here before and I feel like I just can't get out of this well that I'm in. And the good news, if there is good news this morning, and there is, and that is that God understands these situations. And that there have been men and there have been women who throughout history have been in these situations and have written about how in the world do we cope with situations like that when we find ourselves in the well. What we are doing, one of the things we talk about at Grace Point is one of our core values is that the fullness of God beats the brokenness of man any day. We look at the brokenness of humanity and the problem of, of sickness that, that Dan and Betsy are dealing with, the problem of, of uh, a body that's not fully redeemed yet, that um, is going to be prone to all kinds of problems and struggles. We look at that and we say, man, 
come on, God, where are you? Where is the fullness here? Because we are going to say that the brokenness of our humanity doesn't measure up to God's fullness. And so we've been looking at the Psalms, whenever I speak in the summertime, we're looking at the Psalms, uh, a variety of them in the series called 150. The first one that we looked at was Psalm 1, in which we said there in Psalm 1, the more I want to know what God wants me to know, the stronger I become. In other words, if I need to figure out what truth is and what direction to go, I need to look at planting myself, if you will, right by the streams of living water by the word of God. Then the second time we looked at David and his, real, his passion with Bathsheba and his murder of Bathsheba's husband. And we said that confession is kind of this gift of God that chases shame and replaces it with fullness of joy. That confession is God's gift to us that gives us this way, this method to kind of replace joy in our lives with the shame that we often feel. Thirdly, we looked at Psalm 90, this was a couple weeks ago, saying if you want to be more than a number, live like your days are numbered. We heard that pretty clearly this morning too, didn't we? If you want to be more than number, live like your days are numbered. Psalm 90, the intentionality of living clearly. This morning now, we're going to be looking at another psalm, not Psalm 150 yet, but Psalm 130. So if you have your Bible, I invite you to turn to Psalm 130, and the psalmist is going to be speaking from a well, speaking from a place in which he cannot get out. If he could, he would, but he can't. And he's going to be speaking from that position of vulnerability, of weakness, of struggle and pain and kind of darkness. And this is where he speaks from, out of the well, if you will, he speaks to us. And I'm reading from the New International Version. If you don't have a Bible with you, by the way, there's one in the pew near you. You can grab that and have that. That's our gift to you. Um, The Psalms are right in the middle of your Bible. And so Psalm 130 is toward the end of the collection of Psalms. So Psalm 130 it's a song of ascents. If you see the heading or the title in your Bible, it'll say a song of ascent. If you can imagine being a pilgrim on the way to Jerusalem, you kind of go up the hill toward Jerusalem. These songs or psalms are often sung as you move toward Jerusalem and kind of put your eyes up to where hope would come from, toward corporate worship, toward special sacrifices that would happen. This is a song of a sense, the idea being taking from your brokenness of humanity and let's move our eyes and our hearts toward God. Lift up our eyes, lift up our hearts to God. A song of a sense. And so the psalmist begins here and he says, verse one, out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. That word for depths is actually used to explain the, uh, the primeval ocean. Have you ever seen movies where they depict the waters before creation, before land was established, that dark, tumultuous, um, very uh, heavy, kind of wavy ocean. This is that word. Out of those depths, kind of the wild and untamed, dangerous, deep waters is where the psalmist is saying he is. It's out of this that I cry to you, O Lord. And it, it implies that he can't get out of where he's in. If he could get out of there, he would, but he can't. And so he's asking, Out of the depths, I'm here. If I could climb out, I would, but I can't. And then he says, oh, Lord, hear my voice. From where I'm at, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. It's like he's kind of shouting and wishing and hoping, God, I I can't get out of here, and I'm just asking you that your ears now, because I'm stuck here, may your ears be attentive. May you hear my cry for mercy. And if you've ever been there, and I've been there, here's what we do. When we are in a situation where we're in the well, we realize there's nothing I can do. God, I need you now, like I've never needed you before. You've been there, right, where you just, like, uh, I didn't pray a lot before, but now that my mom has this, I'm going to pray now. Now that she broke up with me, now I'm going to pray more. Now that I lost my job, I didn't always pray as much, but now I'm going to. I mean, we have those situations where we're like, mm, I wish I wasn't in the well, but I am. So now, okay, God, if you are out there, if you hear me, let your ear be attentive. We don't use the poetic language of the psalm, but we say the same thing. I'm in trouble. I need help. May your ear be attentive. And then we turn it around and say, God, here's my problem. And so the psalmist's problem is not the problem of Dan and Betsy Rudy where he's dealing with cancer. The psalmist's problem is not that well. His problem is different. His problem he lays out in verse 3. He's in the well of sin and forgiveness and the issue of forgiveness. He says here, if you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? This is his problem. This is his immediate reflection. Somehow, we don't know who this guy is who's writing this. We don't know the context. We don't know the story behind it. We just know that the first thing he reflects on, he's like, God, I'm, I just know, I, all of a sudden, and we've been there too, 
all of a sudden I have an awareness of the depth of my sin. All of a sudden I'm like, man, I am so impatient. I constantly yell at the people around me. I, I am so addicted to this thing. I try, I try and try and get over it and I can't. And I keep going back to the same stuff. I'm just stuck here. I, I have... I can't believe I'm thinking this way about this person. I am so bitter. I'm just such a bitter person. I have not forgiven them at all for what they've done. I'm just such a poor leader. I wish I was a better leader as a, as a man, as a woman, but I'm not. Look at the people who follow me. What are they doing? I, and you become aware of your own sin, and all of a sudden it's like, God, I'm stuck here in this place where I'm constantly going through the same thing. I'm in my well, and I can't get out. Hear me, oh, Lord, if you kept a record of the sins... And who would stand? Who would stand before you? And then he says in verse 4, but with you there is forgiveness, and therefore you are feared. Therefore you are feared. With you there is forgiveness. And so the psalmist is coming into this moment of being stuck in the depths and finally saying, God, I need you to hear me, and and when you do, then I'm going to ask for you to forgive me for, for what I've done. And then he says, Now, what's next is something that's very different than what I would say. If you and I, perhaps, I know for me, if I were writing this psalm, the next verses would be different than what they are. The next verses, here's my my protocol, okay? When I get into these situations, I say, God, you know how bad my situation is. You know how bad of a person I am. You're aware of my sin. I just want you to know, here's the deal, God. You forgive me, here's what I'm going to do. All right, you forgive me, I just want you to know I'm not going to do that again. I'm going to set up this safeguard. I'm going to confess this. I'm going to write that. I'm going to talk to this person. Here's the stuff that I'm going to do next. I'm going to stop being so impatient. I'm going to start being more pure. I'm going to stop being so gossipy. I'm going to start being more forgiving. I'm going to stop being so bitter. I'm going to start being more generous with my time and money. I'm going to stop. I'm going to start all kinds of things because I don't want to continue to do the things that I want to do. So what I might say next to God, if I were writing this psalm, is, hey, God, I'm in the well. You heard me. Man, I'm a sinner. Wow, am I a sinner. Man, only you can forgive. Hey, by the way, God, just a little deal between you and me. If you forgive me, here's the things that I will do. I will then do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. And it's very interesting where the psalmist goes next. What are the first two words of verse 5? I, good, I, let's say that together, I, I wait. Now, I'm going to read verses 5 and 6, and every time the word wait shows up, I want you to fill it in. Verses 5 and 6, I, for the Lord, my soul, and in his word I put my hope, my soul, for the Lord, more than watchmen, for the morning, more than watchmen, for the morning. You think he's trying to make a point? Five times in two verses, this is about waiting all of a sudden. But you're in the well. I can't get out. I wish I weren't here. If I could, I would, but I can't. I've sinned. That's why he's there in his little well. And you're a forgiving God. Therefore, I'm going to wait. Seriously? Is that all you have for me? Like, that just seems weak, to be honest. I mean, this is it. So, God, I know I'm impatient and I need to be more patient with my kids, but I'm going to wait until you give me patience. Until then, I'm going to keep yelling. Okay? I know I have problems with addiction, but until you fix it for me, I'm just going to keep waiting. I wait. That's what the Bible says. Just, just wait. This is passive? I mean, this it? This it? I mean, how about, like, I'll do something. I wait. I wait. I wait for the Lord. And as I reflect on that, here's here's what I think the psalmist is saying. And he gives us the image that drives home what he's trying to get after. And the image is this last part of verse 6. More than, and he repeats it just to make sure we get it, more than watchmen, what? Wait for the what? Morning. More than watchmen, wait for the morning. Some of you have a translation that would read, more than watchmen, wait for the morning. Yes, even more than watchmen, wait for the morning. As if it's almost like a, a light bulb went off in his explanation of what he's trying to communicate. And it's like, yes, that's the image I want. Ah, when you're in the well, I want you to wait like watchmen for the morning. Yeah, that's it. Like watchmen wait for the morning. So, so check it out. If, you, if you're a watchman for the morning, is your watching passive and waiting passive? Or is your waiting and watching active? This is not sitting in the... The, uh, the room, if we go back to the Dan and Betsy Rudy story here, sitting in the waiting room 
and just sitting there waiting, reading a magazine, waiting for Dan to be done, because it takes forever for these treatments. So right, Dan, with his way, I'm just reading a magazine while I wait. I'm not really doing much. I'm just biding my time. And when we hear the word wait, I think, I'm just going to bide my time. I don't even like to wait anyway. i got to wait in line at all the places, and i got to go to a waiting room and wait in the room. I don't really do anything. I just wait. And we hear the word wait, we just generally tend to think bad, like I'm not doing anything, not being productive. I'm just waiting. More than watchmen wait for the morning. Yeah, more than they wait for the morning. That's great. Okay, when are we doing something? But this is different. A watchman, they better be active or else we're dead, Right? The, the watchman waiting for the morning, imagine that the watchman on the wall of the city gate, or the city, uh, the city wall there, and he's looking at every shadow that moves in the, in the moonlight. He's looking across the tree line, he's looking into the valley, he's watching the stream, he's watching the livestock to see if there's anything funny going on there. He's looking at the, the windows on the exterior of the wall, just to make sure no one's going in or coming out, nothing's really strange there. Make sure the gates are secure. And, and making sure that everything is functioning normally. There's no strange movements across the horizon that would maybe give me a clue that something is happening. The watchman does a lot while he waits, right? But what is the one thing the watchman can't do? He can't bring the morning, right? The watchman can't make the sun rise, can he? As much as he can do all the other things to make sure that he's doing his part, the watchman cannot make the sun rise, and he cannot make the morning come. He cannot bring the fullness of life that the sun brings. All he can do is the things that he can do while he waits for God to do what God can do, and that is bring the sunrise. And the psalmist reflects on this, and then he turns it around in verses 7 and 8, and he says to Israel, and we can read that as the people of God, as people of God, people who say, I'm a, I'm a person who follows God. So here's the verses for you, verse 7. O Israel, O people of God, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. Oh, people of God, those of you people of God who find yourself in the well, you're stuck there, you can't go anywhere, you don't know what to do, and you just wish that you could change this and you could change that, and you ask God for his mercy to help you with that. He says, oh, people of God, put your hope in God while you're here, for with the Lord is unfailing love and with him is full redemption. Wait for God but wait as the watchman waits for the morning. And so I want to give you something that's like slightly trite and a little cheesy. In fact, if I were to see this on a Hallmark card, I would just roll my eyes and say, it's another churchism, another, uh, another phrase that is just meant to be trite and all that. So I'm going to offer that to you. This is going to be bad, okay? But I hope in its badness that you'll remember it, okay? Fair enough? All right, so here, here's the deal for this morning. Here's what I think the psalmist is saying. Watch through the night. This is not the end of it. This is why this isn't bad. You're like, that's not bad. Don't worry, it gets bad. Watch, watch. Here's what the psalmist, I think, is saying to us. Watch through the night. Like, in other words, our job while we wait, waiting is this active anticipation. So I fall into my addiction again. I fall into my depression again. I fall into my lack of faith again, blah, blah, blah. I fall into these things. What are the things that I can do, that I need to do while I wait for the sun to rise, while I wait for the morning. So, here's the deal. Watch through the night, and then here we go. God will bring the morning light. Isn't that cute? Yeah. Watch through the night, and God will bring the morning light. In in other words, God is going to bring what God is going to bring. He's going to bring the fullness of the sun at some point. And you're going to say, but it's not now. Like, for the Rudys, let's say, but it's not now. For the Souders, it's not right now. Why not? I don't know. For my sin and my addiction and my problem, my cycle that I keep getting into and can't get out of, but I'm not over it now. I can't. The sun hasn't risen yet for me. Wait. Not like you wait in the waiting room. Not like you wait on hold. Watch and wait through the night. In other words, what are the things that I can do now 
while I watch the horizon, see the tree line and see the stream and look for the shadows and move as a watchman, actively waiting for God to do what he's going to do. And the psalmist says, there will come a day when his unfailing love and full redemption will make the sun rise on you and your family. And I don't know when, and he doesn't know when, but it will come. And while you're waiting for God to show up, do what you can do. Speak to the people you need to speak to. Stop the behavior you need to stop. Write the note you need to write. Read the book you've needed to read. Write the book you've needed to write. Make the healthy choice that you've needed to make. Dream again where you haven't been willing to dream before. So here's the thing with this. Imagine, just imagine with me for a minute, as we think about the implications of this. Imagine what a life would be like of a life that has given up hope when we're in the well. Imagine what a life is like when you're in the well and you feel this sense of, I'm here again, God, I wish you could take it, but I'm not. Imagine a life of someone who gives up on that. Imagine a life of someone who just says, this is who I am, I'm resigned. I'm resigned to the fact that I'm not going to change, my circumstances aren't going to change, and this is just who I am. Imagine the legacy that person leaves. We all know people like that, don't we? We all know people who have grown bitter with age. We all know people who have grown bitter and upset and angry. Lack of forgiveness has really kind of ruined them. Even physiologically, we know this is a reality, that people who struggle with forgiveness and and bitterness about what life has dealt with them, they suffer, quite honestly, from higher blood pressure, from faster heart rate. Their, Their engine is turned hotter. They run hotter because they're stressed, because they haven't been able to forgive and process the stuff that life has handed to them. And they, generally speaking, die earlier. And if they don't die earlier, they kind of kill people around them with their bitterness and frustration because this is just so hard to deal with. And the psalmist says, listen, that's not your job. Your job is not to bring the morning light. Your job isn't to bring full redemption. Your job isn't to heal everybody. Your job is to do what you can do and trust that God will bring the morning light. And imagine what a life looks like for the person who does do that. Imagine the legacy a generation or two from now for you. Even from the story we heard this morning of a great-grand Rudy someday saying, one day my great-grandpa stood up in church, and what he said has stayed with me. And what my great-grandma said stayed with me, because God is faithful when life is hard. And a great-grand-souter saying the same thing. When life has put me in a well, and I wish I could get out, but I can't. But people around me have understood God's role and my role. They've set an example for me. So this morning you're sitting here and you're kind of feeling like, but I'm not going to change. Things aren't going to happen in my life. I'm always going to fall into that temptation. I'm always going to give into that struggle. I'm never going to be a better this. I'm never going to be better that. I'm just saying, maybe it's time to hope again. Maybe it's time to hope again and to say, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to take the step of courage to step into my fear and trust you again. I know I can't get out of this well but I'm going to trust you again. I'm going to write who I need to write to. I'm going to talk to who I need to talk to. I'm going to confess what I need to confess. I'm going to do the things that I know I need to do. I'm going to watch actively during the night, and I'm going to wait for you to bring full redemption. I'm going to wait for you to bring the morning light. Imagine what that would be like for you if you had the courage to hope again. Imagine what that could be like. Let's pray together. Our good God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for the reminders this morning of men and women who get put in places where they'd rather not be and have to make decisions as to how they're going to respond to that. Father, the story that we've heard this morning, both from the Rudys and even from the psalmist who was stuck in the well of sin, I hope is a, is a 
series of stories that will reinvigorate hope for us. For many of us who have tried and tried and tried and tried and tried and tried and tried again to change a habit, to break something, to get out of the pressure and the pain of sin, to get away from our doubt and our anger and all that, and we failed. This morning, we're probably sitting in that well thinking, yeah, but I've tried before and it's no use. And I pray for us, Father, for those, those people who are there in that dangerous position who have given up hope that anything can change. They can move from unhealthy to healthy lifestyles in whatever regard that is. Man, I pray for people who are really wrestling right now with the issue of hope and trusting you. That we can look, we can look even at the Rudy story, at the Souter story, at those who are tackling things that are bigger than most of the rest of us are tackling and doing it and saying, God, you do your part and I'm going to do mine. I pray that you'd give us courage never to give up, to keep going with the things that we need to do, to watch through the night and trust you to bring that morning light. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Guys, this morning, as we conclude, we're going to sing a final song. It's a song that actually um, is a very well-known hymn, very traditional hymn, and um, it was written by a man named Horatio Spafford. Many of you know what song it is right away. Um, Horatio Spafford was a lawyer, successful lawyer in Chicago in the late 1800s. He lost his first son um, when he was just a, a boy died and then the great Chicago fire wiped out his business. So imagine being a businessman and losing all of your stuff and it's not backed up on the Google servers yet so it's gone, gone. And he had to recover from that and then in an effort to help D.L. Moody in his efforts in England he sent his wife and his daughters on this ship over to England and, and basically it collided with another ship on the way to England and it was sunk and his wife sent Horatio a letter with just two words on it and the words were saved alone. Uh, Horatio then came after them and met his wife in, in England and it was in the process of his solo journey across the ocean to see his wife when he was reflecting all of the stuff that life had given to him when he was in the well, if you will, in the depths, literally on the depths, in the depths, where he wrote it as well with my soul. That song that has rung throughout generations that we're going to sing now. And so as we sing, I hope that this reflects the passion of your heart, the condition of, of our heart that it is well, no matter what life brings to me, God is going to bring that morning light, that morning sun. Let's stand, if you will, and let's sing together. It is well.